Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. We're taking a look at every aspect um, of our football team and our coaching staff to make sure uh, that we're doing everything um, within my responsibility and my power to put our players and our organization in the best possible situation to have success. So that is an ongoing process um, that is continuing as we speak and, and we'll, we'll continue throughout the rest of this week. And um, I think it's important to do. And, and I think after the success we had this year and then coming up short of where we ultimately wanted to get to, I think it's the right thing to do and make sure I go through that thorough uh, process in doing so. Okay. Speculation. A question off of that. This is Reckless Speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd, which means we bring in our friend for some inside information about Minnesota sports teams. Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department. The scoop. Um, is Kevin O'Connell okay? Like, they just won 13 games. I know they had a quick exit. But he just looks weathered, man. Like, he, he did... He didn't look like he was having a good time as the head coach of the Vikings doing that press conference yesterday. I'm with you. Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Reckless Speculation Thursday. Phil, you are not the first person to bring up that observation to me. Kevin did look beat up on Wednesday. Now, let's not forget there is a newborn at home. He certainly did not expect to be sitting there on Wednesday reviewing the season internally. There was all sorts of confidence that they would be playing this weekend in San Francisco. So I still think even, you know, at that point, what about 72 hours later after the loss on Sunday, there was still some shell shocking, you know, sort of, you know, mannerisms and body language and all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think that was the last place that Kevin wanted to be. That answer was the very direct question by Chris Thomason of the Pioneer Press, will Ed Donatel be back as your defensive coordinator? If Kevin wanted to, he had every opportunity to say in that moment, yes, the defense has all sorts of warts, has all sorts of issues, but Ed is part of the solution. He did not volunteer that information. I still think it's weird. Like, if you're going to make the move and going back to last Reckless Speculation Thursday, one week ago today, I told you guys I was preparing as if a move would be coming. This was before the debacle on Sunday, like, why wouldn't you have announced it by now? Like, to me, weird. Now, maybe they'll do some sort of conference call. Maybe they won't do anything if they put out a press release in the next, say, 24 to 48 hours. But to me, it would have made all the sense in the world as you're hosting reporters, as you hold the season-ending news conference, Wednesday at 1 o'clock Central, 
If you were going to make the move, why not put it out there sometime before so you can answer questions about it? I think because that's exactly why. So they don't have to now. So they I just think put that's out odd. a release. I know. You're right. I get it, Judd. It's I just think it's weird. It works a lot of times. So it certainly wouldn't make them unique. On O'Connell, to go back to that for a second, too, you guys, my, my just theory is this. As bad as the defense played and as much as he probably despised what he saw from his defense, I think the thing that probably has kept him up for three days is the Kirk Cousins fourth down and eight pass. Because, you know, there comes a point in time where I think Kevin had thought that he had crossed a, I don't know if threshold is the right word, but had crossed over into a new Kirk because he made throws. You know, go back to Buffalo, right? Makes the impossible throw. Jefferson makes the impossible catch. I think that that play has probably played out in his mind a thousand times as far as his play call one, but also the quarterback he trusted. Like, It might sound like hyperbole, but I think this is a big point in the relationship between these two. Because when push came came to shove, um, right or wrong, Kevin O'Connell was let down by a guy he thought he had to a stage where he would never make that throw. I get it. Yeah, I mean, now to me, you know, Kevin takes, needs to take and has taken some blame for for the play design. Why was KJ Osborne going so deep? Why was TJ Hawkinson chipping? Why did Adam Thielen run as deep as he did? But sure, bottom line, Kirk at least has to throw it up like he did in Buffalo. Maybe you draw a pass interference flag, or maybe Jefferson makes an unreal play, or Osborne makes an unreal play. So I guess what you're getting to is the root of this. Because logic says the Vikings are going to extend Kirk Cousins this offseason. Right, wow. Lower his 2023 cap number. I'm just saying logic, Phil, right? I think a lot of people really believe that based on even after the fourth down debacle, that based on the year that Kirk just had, another new contract is coming. I said on Tuesday, Phil, with Judd. Now, I was saying because I didn't have over the cap in front of me or any other contractual website so i couldn't remember if there were multiple void years just one void year if he was an outright free agent after the 23 or 24 season but my point was i can see the vikings letting the cousins contract play itself out then make a determination but that you don't need to make a determination right now i will say this maybe call it just more a hunch maybe it fits the reckless speculation theme but i stand by that but i will tell you there are people close to kirk fully anticipating an extension coming before next season. So this is this is all very interesting and very speculative, although not completely speculative. Because we have sort of a, a pattern of behavior, and we there's been trends with these contracts going back. He generally, he hates getting into the last year of things, right? Like the, Was- the Washington thing kind of drove him nuts. Like, at least commit to me for a couple of years. He's he has to this point in his career made a living off of short two and three year burst contracts with very little wiggle room for the team. And this is my issue, I guess. If there are three options on the table, one being play the last year of his contract out, two being sign him to another short term extension that you know, maybe it's another year, so it's twenty twenty four it's covered, or option three, you sign him to a four or five year contract. So you can at least have some wiggle room to lower the cap number a lot in the next couple of years. I would honestly rather do that than a short-term contract. I'd rather just play it out over all options. But part of the problem is 
people get so hung up on, well, but he's getting the, the market value money that he deserves, this and that. Yeah, but he's doing it on short-term contracts that give the team no ability to lower the cap number, which puts them in, well, the defense needs, if you can just get a defense, get an offensive line, get another wide receiver. It's hard when you're paying a non-elite quarterback that much money to the cap every year. He isn't helping. The, he did a little bit last year with, okay, maybe he could have squeezed him for $40 million instead of 35 or something. But I just like this whole like hold the, the franchise hostage strategy that he has had throughout his entire career. It, it needs to come to an end, whether it's you know forcing it this offseason or just riding it out after one more season, dude. That's my thought on it. Well, I mean, I hear where you're coming from. I mean, he's a large reason why they, to me, are stuck in middle purgatory, right? That he's in that, we can debate whether that's second tier of quarterbacks or third tier, but he's not in that top tier, right? He is good. He's not a superstar. Typically, you win at a high level in this league, if you have the superstar quarterback, so that's fine if you're paying him the Mahomes-type money, the Josh Allen-type money, or you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, right? Like Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, I guess to some extent Brock Purdy in San Francisco, Daniel Jones with the Giants. It's one or the other. That's why I just I wonder if they look to find a quarterback. I said on Tuesday, Phil, I thought maybe more so the 2024 draft. So that's why I wonder if they just let this thing play out now. Hey, if he's even more brilliant, you know, maybe statistically speaking, reaches some of the thresholds he has reached in previous years, plus is still really clutch in 23. Okay, well, then you can either go the franchise tag or you sign him to a long-term deal this time next year. But I just don't know if they do it now. So that's why I wonder if they let this thing play out through the 23 season. I think part of the problem here, too, Dukes, is is this. The offense with Kirk is pretty doggone good. Like, you've got Jefferson back. The offensive line might not be perfect, but it's a it's, um, huge step up from previous years now. You've got some really nice components there, but the other side of the ball is the problem. Defensively, you've got a scheme that didn't work. You've got aging players who are going to have to start to be cycled through now. So, like, to me... The biggest thing when when Quazy and O'Connell and the Wilfs sit down to to digest the season and the future, more importantly, is what are you going to do defensively? Because you've almost got two different tracks here, right? Mm -hmm. An offense that's sort of taken off. It's, you know, it disappointed in the end, but it's still good. But a defense that is bottoming out and and, you know, unless you have just a resurgence of sorts, which I don't see, Donatel being gone might be good, but I don't think it fixes it completely. It's very... It's a conundrum because of those two sides of the ball and where they are right now. Well, very much a conundrum. Plus, you look at their you know, lack of draft capital this particular year with the four picks plus two compensatory picks in all likelihood. So six, but no second-round pick. Now, I would do the TJ Hawkinson trade one million times again, right? Like, that was not real difficult, but you do lose your second-round pick this April. You are in salary cap. Hell is too strong, but... You've got some work to do there. Now, Rob Brzezinski, as good as it gets, capologist, they'll figure it out. I know you guys did some exercise on Purple Daily this week, going through one by one. Okay, you know, do we restructure Adam Thielen or is he an outright cut? Okay, CJ Ham this, Jordan Hicks that, Eric Kendricks this, Harrison Smith that. So you guys did that. Zadarius Smith, go up and down the list. Well, I mean, they're having those same conversations. I still wonder, 
And we talked about this about this time last year. Instead of a competitive rebuild, at some point you just hit the reset button. Now, I don't know if the Wilfs, in fact, there's no proof to suggest the Wilfs would be willing to do that. But I wonder deep down if Quasey would like to do yeah. that, take a step or two backwards to then build this thing up comparable to what we are seeing right now in Chicago. Well, you you bring up the exercise we did. So first of all, I think there's 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 what they probably should do, and then there's what I think they're probably going to do, which is Judd brings up a good point about the offense. You can probably, especially with all the the family steam coming out now on the Thielen side, that he's not really happy, he's going to be 33, he's the second um, highest paid player on the team, you can pretty easily go about trying to find a number two wide receiver now via the draft or somewhere else. So I think you can go forward with this offense, a lot of young players, add another piece, offense is not rebuilding. Run Kirk back for the last season of his contract. Um, so this is what I think they will do. Run the offense back, add a piece, strip the defense down, get rid of some of those contracts you're talking about, Kendricks, Hicks, and just roll with a youth movement on defense, which couldn't be much worse than what they had this year, right? Get a get a better scheme in. Can you really be much worse than 31st yards given up, over 400 points allowed? So that's what I think they will do. But when you start to break this down, Dukes, okay, well, let's uh, let's start getting rid of some players here and clearing up some cap space. Okay, well, right now, before getting rid of anyone, they're $8 million over the cap, according to over the cap this morning. They don't have any starting cornerbacks left because Patrick Peterson, Chandon Sullivan, Duke Shelley, who was their starting cornerback last few weeks, all those dudes are free agents. Now you're going to get rid of Kendricks and Hicks because those guys are old and make a lot of money. Okay, now you don't have two starting linebackers. Uh, you're going to get rid of Zadarius Smith because, you know, he didn't really do anything the second half of the season, so now you're without an edge rusher. Well, maybe but, on Zadarius. I'm with you. I would make the move, but I'm not I'm not Brad sitting Barry's here today convinced. Yeah, well, yeah, and there is interest in retaining Bradbury. So when you say run the offense back, add a piece or two, who is the starting center? Dalvin Tomlinson, who had a good year, is also a free agent. So, yeah, you start going up and down the list. You didn't mention Harrison Smith with the cap number of over $19 million. So what takes place with Harrison? Now, when you say run the offense back, Phil, like they barely used C.J. Ham. So you probably have the exact number, but you can save some money just making the move on, on C.J., who's been here forever. But I think that's a logical move based on the way they run their offense. Okay, what takes place with Dalvin Cook? Cap number fourteen million. I think there's interest in retaining him. Well, I don't think he's back at his number. So is he back at a lesser number, or do you just make the move on Dalvin? You can find a running back, a Damian Pierce type, middle of the draft. I wouldn't be worried about that. Kevin O'Connor wants to pass the ball what sixty two percent of the time anyway, or fifty nine percent, fifty eight percent. Certainly pass way more than he runs. So there's no reason to pay a running back. That much money on Thielen, yeah, I can see Adam Thielen somewhere else next year. Mm-hmm. But if you have like, this is my point. If you have like seven or eight, after all the maneuvering here, you have like seven or eight key starting positions to fill: center, cornerbacks. Some of these might be filled internally if you feel like Andrew Booth Jr. is going to come back and be healthy or something. But do you have enough cap space? Do you have enough draft picks? You have one draft pick in the top ninety. Like, I don't know that they can fill all of these and hit home runs on all of the replacements 
to get this team to the next level. It's not about just filling them. We're talking about winning. If they're going to keep pushing forward, Kirk and everyone, it would be about going further. So they, I mean, they really need to look at this thing and decide, are we just delaying the inevitable? Would we rather just rip the bandit off so that we can enter Justin Jefferson's prime in a couple years, ready to rock and roll like, you know, like the Jaguars did? I mean, that to me makes a lot of sense, right? You are going to make Justin Jefferson the highest paid receiver in the game, but he still hasn't even hit his prime. I mean, you think about wanting to maximize his ages 25, 26, 27 seasons to me. We're still a year or two out from that. So maybe strip it down now. Plus you have the first place schedule, right? And yeah, we're talking just two extra games, two trickier games compared to the rest of the division. But still, when talking two of 17, a first place schedule matters. So it's hard to see the path. That's why, Phil, we've been talking about this even going back before last year. Middle purgatory. They are but, stuck right in the middle. What is the point in being stuck right in the middle? But, Dukes, you you brought, brought up probably the most important fact, and it's this. Can Quazy and O'Connell, if they do agree with us, and they very well might agree with us, get ownership to, to, uh, to get out of where things are? There has never been anything from the Wilfs. Their, their theory on life revolves around uh, the Giants team that won a Super Bowl after a decent season, got hot, So, because they're huge Giants fans. They think someday we're going to make the playoffs, the tournament, and we are going to get hot there. But if we don't make the tournament, we can't get hot there. So the problem is, and I, this goes you know, back to Brad Childress, back to Rick Spielman, and this is not them, it's ownership. They are very happy to be competitive because they think some year it's going to win them a Super Bowl. And we look at this and say, yeah, this might be a good time to sort of hit the reset button. But, you know, they're they're the ones, I think, that continually bring back guys like Kendricks and, and Harrison Smith and Thielen. You know, don't think for one second that the Wilfs won't get involved with this whole Thielen thing. I guarantee they'll get involved. Because they'll have an opinion about what he means. Well, sure. Well, I mean, we know Adam's not coming back on his current term. So I guess, could he be back at a lesser number? Suppose yes. You're right about the Wilfs. I mean, there isn't proof that they're willing to, to reset this thing. But to me, a good amount of this core, okay, not Jefferson, not Hawkinson, but you get my point. A good amount of this core didn't make that run January of 2018. A good amount of this core didn't make, and I get it, yeah. Kirk wasn't even the quarterback January of 2018, but Kirk had the chance January of 2020. It didn't happen. They got waxed in San Francisco in the second round. Now you had another opportunity after failing for a couple of years. Now you have this new opportunity, and you know, for lack of a better way of putting it, you lay an egg on Sunday. right? So just what proof is there that, that this core... Can if you get into the tournament, what what proof is there, Judd, that there is a three or four game run coming? There is zero, none. I agree. It's it's not a sport. Hockey, maybe, right? Let's just get in, get a hot goalie, maybe. This is not a sport where you just get in and cross your fingers. You have to get in with a certain level of dominance, right? And that's my question. What is the dominant? They have a good offense. They don't have a Chiefs offense. They have a terrible defense. That was the hope for 2017, right? It was, well, they have a dominant defense, so maybe yeah. they can push through. But they, what, how, do you, how do you make the offense 
if you make the offense dominant, and can can a Kirk Cousins offense be dominant? That's another. It can be good. I mean, I trust that the Kirk Cousins offense will be more dominant than the defense anytime soon. Internet gremlins! (laughs) Internet gremlins! I've got Declan's personal laptop here. I've got his... Browser opened oh. to his American oh, Express oh. account. This could be oh, very man, could dangerous. Be dangerous. <laughs> this could be tricky. We've got his tweet deck though, open. So. Oh, I'm going to tweet no, a bunch of really crazy good, stuff. That means I would it. have an internet signal, though, and apparently I don't because StreamYard is dead. But I think the audio is still working. So, okay, yeah, we can You're keep good. the audio is good. You're we good. can keep going here. I just I would trust the offense more with Cousins and Charge than I would the defense anytime real soon, Phil. I would. Yeah, fascinating, man. Um. Let's keep going on on Vikings here because there's so many other things to get into. Um, do you foresee contract extensions like Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson? Um, there might be a couple others I'm not thinking of here, but those two in particular, do you see those happening soon? Like, would they clear those out before the league year or are those things that might wait until after, like, you know, draft? Does that happen more closer to training camp? Well, I mean, I think it happens on both fronts. I can't pinpoint an exact timetable, but clearly the idea is to have TJ Hawkinson here on his second contract. Same with Justin Jefferson. So it's a matter of when, Phil, not if. I just don't have an exact timetable, but I absolutely would look for those two guys to be here long term. See, those two guys here real quick, and I'll let Judd jump in too, but um, Jefferson is the best, for my money, the best wide receiver in the NFL. I have no mm-hmm. problem paying him top dollar. Absolutely. Uh, TJ, TJ Hawkinson is quickly becoming, at age 25, a top three to five receiving tight end. If you look at the numbers, he was second among tight ends in receptions, second, I think, in yardage. Uh, I don't know that I'm putting him quite on the Travis Kelsey level by any means, but Kelsey's getting older. So in the next two or three years on that second contract, sometimes tight ends don't blossom fully until they're like 27, 28 years old. You're going to get really productive years from him, but you're going to pay for it. This is where if you could find a rookie scale contract, number two wide receiver to come in for cheap the next five years. Now you have three awesome weapons to throw to. It makes it less daunting than to move off aging Kirk cousins. Cause you could plug in theory, a, a rookie, a young quarterback in, you've got two franchise tackles in Derrissaw and O'Neal. You've got two incredible weapons now, maybe a third one. You could make it easier switching from Kirk to somebody else, whether it happens this year, next year, or in, in three years, Doogie, um, by just extending some of the guys you have and getting a second stud wide receiver in here. Well, I mean, I do think whether it's at pick 23 or later in the draft, or maybe there's an under-the-radar type free agent, I haven't looked at the full free agent list, but there's a number of free agent wide receivers that they will look to bring in a receiver. Now, I also know internally they have a healthy opinion of Jalen Naylor. Not to suggest that Jalen Naylor is ready to be that number two, but I wouldn't sleep on Jalen Naylor's potential. But I just know this much, Phil. Like if Garrett Wilson had gotten to pick 12, like I truly believe the Vikings would have taken him. Like that's how much they were considering a wide receiver early last April. So the fact that that didn't take place, I absolutely would look at wide receiver. Now, you know, going back to logic, logic says the Vikings will sign cousins to an extension. I'm just saying, I'm not so sure on that logic would suggest they take a cornerback, right? I mean, you said it, Shelly Peterson, you know, those guys are free agents, Sullivan, not that you want to bring back Sullivan. Anyway, you got to upgrade at the nickel spot, but all those cornerbacks are free agents. So Logic would say with Booth Jr. an injury question mark, Evans, you know, multiple concussions, so you have to worry about him moving forward. 
you know, logic would say the Vikings will go cornerback at pick 23. But I'm just saying right now, I would not dismiss the possibility of receiver at pick 23. On Bradbury, too, I, I've seen some projections, and it looks like a good year is going to get, get him paid. I'm curious how competitive the Vikings are going to be there because um, it scares me a little bit when a guy took this long to develop a little bit. And it also scares me that he had a good year in a contract year because we've seen a lot of guys do that and then they get paid and regress a bit. So with their current cap situation, I'm wondering how they're going to approach that one. Cause I got to think that they are going to go, I would hope nowhere near breaking the bank for Garrett Bradbury. Well, I mean, I just don't think you can break the bank for any center, you know, even if it's Kelsey in Philadelphia, the best center in the game, like to me, you just don't pay a center, right? You pay your left tackle, your right tackle. I'm just not paying my center stupid money, but that being said, a lot of people will tell you, Judd, you've heard this, I'm sure. The closer you are to the ball, the longer it takes to develop, right? I mean, you know, we're seeing shades of why he was a first-round pick. He was a stud at North Carolina State. I will tell you, after having a conversation with Garrett on Monday in the locker room, I mean, he came across as very genuine in his desire to return. I can tell you the Vikings have interest in retaining him. It will come down, though, ultimately to, to the negotiation, though, how much money he's looking for. But I can tell you there's mutual interest in a return. All right, Dukes, you have a couple minutes left here because you have to jump out to your A job. Um, whatever you want. Wolves, twins, you fire away whatever's left in your scoop bag here. Sure, yeah, I'm on my way to go hang with Louis Varland. Nice. Twins pitcher probably starts the year with the Saints just based on options, but undoubtedly he'll be up with the Twins again. Sometime later this year, great kid. So I'm looking forward to spending some time with Louie later this morning. But yeah, you look at the Gophers hosting Purdue in basketball tonight. A couple NBA teams will be in attendance. Zach Eady, right now, the National Player of the Year. If they had to take a vote right now, Purdue Center, seven foot four, National Player of the Year. So a couple NBA teams will be in the house to give him a look. He will be a draft pick. He might even fit, you know, depending on what the Wolves do at the big man. You know, position if, you know, Nas Reed leaves as a free agent, if Luca Garza is gone, if they need a depth center, the Wolves do have that New York second round pick in June. Not that I see them going Zach Eady, but just something to, to think about. On the Wolves. You, you, you could draft him and then trade him to uh, another team and you yeah, explode well, too. You could do that. I heard Roycey on Roycey Unchained before I got in here doing his, his ranking of Northwest Division centers. Okay, Jokic one. Then he had Walker Kessler two. He had Garza three. Then he actually had Gobert four, which surprised me that he had Nurkic of Portland below Gobert. But yeah, I asked I asked Judd the question on Tuesday, Phil. One for one in a bubble, right? Because this trade doesn't work because of the money. But one for one, if you could right now, would you trade Rudy Gobert for Walker Kessler? Uh, it's funny. You and I both came to the same question. I asked uh, Kyle Tiger okay, this on yeah. Flagrant House. Right. Well, great minds think alike. I, I, and if, 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 well, if money's a factor, it's a no-brainer. You take Walker Well, of course. Kessler. I'm just saying in a bubble, though, but would you rather if, have the 30-year-old or the 21-year-old? I'd rather have the 21-year-old okay, straight up, straight up. I mean, how 100%. good did the Wolves play last night without Gobert? Now, they didn't play well the final 250, and there were some dumb turnovers. Now, a lot of turnovers are dumb, but last night was ugh, frustrating. They gave up some bad baskets, like Jokic sets the franchise record for, for assists for, for the Denver Nuggets. It came on a pass from out of bounds. Like, the Wolves, there was a dead ball whistle, right? Jokic goes to inbound. Russell was the closest player to the offensive player. I think it was Caldwell Pope. Doesn't matter who it was, but it's like, what are you doing? It's not just Russell. Like, how are they not back? 
There were multiple times where they just didn't get back on defense. So frustrating, but offensively, they were they were so good last night. They couldn't score. Like they had 118 with 251 left in the game, then didn't score again. That game was there for the taking. The Nuggets had a 14 game home winning streak. That would have been one of those signature victories. Yet they stunk the final 251. Now a tough one tonight, although Toronto is weird. But Toronto was here last night, you know, well rested. Back-to-back now for the Wolves, so tricky game tonight against Toronto, but if you can find a way to win tonight, you win on Saturday against Houston, you know, maybe you can go on a nice little run here. They are 6-3, and three, even after these last two losses, Utah-Denver. They are 6-3 and three in their last nine, so could you get to 8-3 and three over an 11-game stretch? So tonight's pretty important. Nothing yeah. going on trade-wise. I mean, I've checked. There's nothing too hot and heavy. The Wolves are getting calls. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of league interest in Nas Reed. And Tory and Prince, those are two guys the Wolves continue to get a bunch of calls on, but it doesn't sound like anything is close. There he is, Darren Dewey Wolves. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams on Reckless Speculation Thursday. All right, go say hi to Louis Varland for all of us. <laughs> I will. Take it easy, boys. Bye-bye. All right, there he is. Dugues coming in. Um, a couple things before we get into our own Reckless Speculation. A shout-out to the St. Thomas men's hockey team in action uh, tonight on this Thursday and also tomorrow night as they make a push through the CCHA. St. Thomas battling Bowling Green. That um, will be tonight and tomorrow night. TommySports.com to buy your tickets or just swing by the St. Thomas Arena ticket office on game day. You can find all St. Thomas men's hockey games on 1500 ESPN Radio. And uh, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN reporting the the charges, the charges have requested to speak with Wes Phillips about their open offensive coordinator position. But Phillips plans to stay in Minnesota, according to Shorters. Phillips highly valued in Minnesota. Vikings building something he wants to see through. It's always a little questionable when, like, someone decides to to make a lateral move, right? So I'm, that is, what, if, yeah. if all of a sudden, like, Wes Phillips takes an interview with the Chargers for their offensive coordinator job, I would have been like, ooh, but he wants well, to stick around, so that's good. It's actually a chance for a promotion in, in the sense that he would call plays there, and he doesn't here. Well, could, maybe it makes sense for him to do it here. And um, the opportunity to work with Justin Herbert might cause me. And let's see, it's Los Angeles in the winter. Hold on a second. I'm going to take that job. <laughs> Judd's actually the Chargers I Daily am, here. Hey, Brandon Judd. Staley. Yeah. <laughs> Judd here at the Park Tavern in Manhattan Beach. <laughs> Red 82, green 50. All right, let's – uh. Let's continue here. Let's continue on this Reckless Speculation Thursday. Reckless Speculation. We kind of talked about this with Doogie, but I think we should go full into the idea of blowing the whole thing up here. Let's Let's just rip the bandit off and talk about this. Last night, sitting down with our guy Alex Boone on the weekly Trenches with Boone episode of Purple Daily, and we actually had, so he, <laughs> he spent the first 10 minutes just savaging the Vikings. I think he felt duped. He, he, he felt like he defended their honor all season. They're not frauds. Look what they're doing in the fourth quarter. Look at how organized they are offensively. Mm-hmm. You, you don't win close games like this by being fraudulent. And then the way that everything went down, some of the defensive gaffes, he was irate about the fourth and eight. And so he basically said, they're frauds. I was wrong, and he just destroyed KOC, Kirk Cousins' defense. 
And then about 10 minutes in, Jeremiah Searles, former Vikings offensive lineman, former teammate of Boone's, and you can find him weekly on uh, Matthew Collar's Purple Insider podcast as well. He jumped in because those guys had a dinner at the Combine bet at St. Elmo's uh, Steakhouse. So he wanted to come on and rub it in Boone's face. Told you, Boone, they were frauds. Cyril's then stuck around for an hour and broke down film and stuff. And those guys both came to the same conclusion. They need to blow it up. And they both laid out, look at what's happening with the salary cap. Look at all the aging players. Thielen is now through his wife on social media saying he doesn't want to really be here anymore. Kirk Cousins, when given a chance, still makes the check down throw on fourth and eight. And they said, just rip the Band-Aid off. You can't possibly fix all the things that need to be fixed through free agency with $40 million and four draft picks. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? You know, we pushed hard for this last year, and they kind of proved us wrong in that they kind of ran it back, added some pieces, added a better coach and culture, and they won 13 games. Yep. So they were right. Yep. But now everyone's older. The cap space is not very plentiful. And you've got two credible former Vikings who follow the league very closely saying it's going to be hard to work out of this puzzle and be competitive at a Super Bowl level unless you take a step back. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, my thoughts, and yes, I am. I think what the Bears did is genius. So my thoughts are, are always, if you can nuke it, especially if you're sort of just stuck or not that good, nuke it. That's yeah. my personal thought. But let's it's talk about genius, this. but they have to, they have to like, follow it through now yeah. They're, set, oh, yeah. they're set up but they have to follow it through but they knew what they were doing like they didn't accidentally get bad They're like oh my god we sucked what happened they and and they actually went through a process in which they got some answers about the most important position in sports quarterback which also um now positions them to probably trade the first overall pick but anyway let's talk about this from a perspective of not what i would do necessarily because i would probably blow things up Let's go back to Quasi's introductory press conference and the whole competitive rebuild topic, which is what they want to do. That's what the Wilfs want from them. The Wilfs, as I talked about with Dukes, we are now into what? The third, fourth incarnation of different coaches, management with with the Wilfs, and the stance has never changed. They've never purposely got bad. So I think what we've seen here, and this is what's going to be intriguing to watch now, and like you're going to border on this every year that you try what they've tried, but you've now sort of ridden the defense off the cliff. Like it's gone now. And so I don't think the, well, should they get rid of Kendricks? Should they get rid of Hicks? You know, Pat P is a key player. Um, A lot of those players are off the cliff. And so the decision, when you do what the Vikings like to do, especially when you're then loyal to veteran players, the decision is eventually made for you. Yeah. So, so like, we're not at a point where Kendricks is still really productive, but no, he's not. It's over. It's over. It's over. Right. So the defense is off the cliff. Now, what's interesting about this is when you, when you do a competitive rebuild, you leave your, your different, you know, your defense, offense, special teams to a certain point, probably, but defense and offense, you leave them at different parts of the cycle. And that's where the Vikings are on what I consider to be a very slippery slope right now. Yep. Now, yes. the one thing that I will say, if KOC, when when they, when they KOC and Kwesi, and they probably haven't done it yet, but when they sit down with the Wilfs, the one thing that I would say is, look, Ziggy, Mark, Lenny, Jonathan, just the whole family's there. 
A family of wolves. Oh, just a pack of wolves hungering to know what the hell you're going to do. The one thing that, you know, I think Quasi and KOC have to articulate is we were partially brought here because Kevin O'Connell is a quarterback whisperer of sorts. He knows that position. And so when he says to pull the ripcord on Kirk, I think they need to do do that. Like, I know they like Kirk now and he's reliable. And And keep in mind, guys, too, you know, no matter what we might say about Kirk, since the Wills bought this team in 2006, they have hungered for a consistent starting quarterback. And Kirk is that. So I could see them saying, doesn't it make sense to sign him to an extension? And I could see KOC saying, yeah, but I can find a quarterback too. So I think that's where this whole thing, um, apart from what I would do personally, I think that's where this gets really intriguing is like Mm -hmm. the defense is here. It's basically going down or it's just at the the bottom of the cliff and the offense is okay. So like, what are you going to do? How are you going to sync this thing up to get them to at least where they're at a point of meeting in the middle? Because that's how you are super competitive and can make a run. And I hate to do like the look, the look back. What if they would have blown it up a year ago? Where would they be? But just humor me on this for a moment. Cause you, you, I mean, you kind of mentioned this just going through the different parts of your roster at different points. A competitive rebuild is really like you're clinging to some veterans to be competitive. You're rebuilding as you can. But if you would have gone, I kind of mocked the competitive rebuild a year ago. Cause it's like, well, I either want you to go all in being competitive while you have all these veteran players at the end of their line or go all in rebuilding and rip the bandit off and just do it quick. When you're doing both, you're not committed to either, right? You're not, you're not going full Rams as Quazy said, but going full Rams won them a Super Bowl. Correct. And you're not going full rebuild because, well, you don't want to be the bears. Oh, well, but look at what the bears might turn into in a year or two because they ripped the bandit off. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mock the two extremes like a lot of people are doing. If at this time last year, they would have come to the conclusion that Ryan Poles came to in Chicago and they would have said, yeah, we can be competitive, but we're not, we're not going to be like top of the food chain Super Bowl contenders. They, to Kevin O'Connell's credit, they probably did as well or better than could be expected running it back, right? 13 wins, probably could have won one playoff game. I don't know that anyone would have favored them going into San Francisco or going into Philadelphia. That would have been a tough sled. But if at this time last year, if you had dangled Adam Thielen via trade, Harrison Smith via trade, Dalvin Cook via trade, maybe even Eric Kendricks via trade, or two or three of those guys, they had value a year ago you would have compiled draft capital for either 2022 or 23, right? This time around, as you're looking here, it's now we're looking at the same list of players, and we're sitting here saying, oh, boy, if you want to shape up your salary cap, you got to get rid of Most Vikings fans are in full agreement with most of these players. you got to do some slicing and dicing. Adam Thielen on a trade might get you a six-round pick, but I don't think so. Probably not. Certainly not at that salary, right? Yeah, You'd have to no, come with not. a major salary restructure. Yes. I think Harrison Smith would get you something, but it's not going to be like a second or third round pick at that price tag in that age. Yep. Dalvin might get you, might get you a fourth or a fifth, maybe, but he's also an aging running back. Right. Eric Hendricks, you, you, there's no way you can trade Eric Hendricks. There's no way you can trade Jordan Hicks, who wasn't around last year, but no. you've kind of – you sort of sacrificed 
the value that you could have had just ripping the Band-Aid off and the cap relief you could have had by not pushing the kick in the can down the road for a 13-win sugar high and a, and a one-and-done playoffs. And for a lot of fans, they probably said it was worth it. That was a really fun season. We had the Bills game, the Colts game, the Packers ass-kicking in week one. Maybe that trade-off was worth it. But you're just kind of staring at the same problems that you had a year ago, but with older players and maybe even a little less cap flexibility in some ways. And this team has been been there with the Wills before. You know, I, I mean, as fun as uh, 2009 was, you know, that, that in retrospect offered a lot of the same things, which is Brett Favre is coming back to, to play for the Vikings. Oh, my God. But he's Brett Favre, 38 at the time, yeah. 39. Look at that team. So, like, the Wills, this is basically what this Vikings team was, is not surprising. If if the Vikings had been the bear, if Ryan Poles had gotten the Vikings job, and there was there were legit talks there, I think it came down to to finances for him and vision. If Ryan Poles had gotten th- this job, one of his first first things, first moves, I guarantee you, he trades Hunter. He he would have traded Hunter. Mm-hmm. The amount of draft picks, the, the amount of collateral that this team would have going into the 2023 draft with Poles would be unbelievable. He would have traded Kirk Cousins too. Probably. For like uh, for like two second round picks or whatever the, yep. the Colts rumor was at the yep. time, he would have made sure the team was bad. And and in essence, though, for a one year of this stinks, you know what? You get a ton of cap relief, ton of cap room, ton of draft picks, a lot of things to like. Uh, that that being said, Phil, I'm with you. I mean, the 13 wins was this was a fun year, but just go back and look. And since the Wills bought this team, what we saw in 2022 was was very much on point with their belief of let's just make the tournament and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And that's how they operate. Yeah. Don't you think that the logical, just trying to take kind of the, the extremes of, there, there's one extreme where you could just keep bringing veterans back and digging yourself a hole, and then there's the other extreme of total rebuild. They're probably going to wind up somewhere in the middle. Because yes. because ownership looks at the history of this franchise, especially since they've been around. So they bought the team in like oh five. Yes, they've nice. had one season since taking over. I'm sorry, two seasons of of fewer than six wins. So two like train wreck seasons. 2013, well, 2010 was a train wreck too. So we'll throw that one in. 2010, 11, and 13 were kind of train wrecky. Everything else has been competitive or really good. And historically, even, you can count on one hand, take away the first, like, four years of expansion. You can count basically on one hand how many train wreck seasons this 60-year franchise has had. There is a pride level in we are sort of the, we're like diet stealers. We never have to go into multi-year depressions, if you will. Yes. So I understand that. And maybe the way to, to bottle that, that pride and that legacy with also stripping it down is you say, okay, offensively, you got five young offensive linemen. All of them are relatively cheap. Well, Bradbury's going to maybe be gone and or, and or not cheap, but you got five young offensive linemen. You got your Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkins, and your weapons over here. Like the offense is not a rebuild. Correct. The, the offense is a move forward. So there's your competitive. Competitive rebuild, right? Competitive offense. Rebuild defense. Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks. Maybe Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, you, you just 
Zadarius, anyone over the age of 30. This is right. The defense is a rebuild. Goodbye. Poof. I don't know if you can recoup draft pick value, but if you can get a couple picks back for any of these players, like a Harrison Smith via trade or a Dalvin, and, and devote that to the defensive side of the ball, right. you could compete with your offense, rebuild with your defense, and at the end of the day, your defense isn't going to be with, a, with younger players and a new scheme. Maybe your defense... <laughs> At worst, is the same. You well, know? and and the most important thing to me as well on that side of the football is with a coordinator who can coach up the talent he has. Like I, I don't think we're appreciating enough how stubborn Ed Donatel was. I don't think like O'Connell, and this is on on him too. So O'Connell had this vision of okay, this three four that that Fangio has run gave me real problems. We're gonna run that. Nobody stopped and said, and what's weird about this is O'Connell did exactly this the right way on offense. Nobody yeah. stopped and said, okay, let's look at our personnel. This guy doesn't really fit that. This guy really doesn't fit that. Like how many guys, and look, a guy like Kendricks, I think is basically done, okay? So I'm not trying to bring him back or even defend him. But when you looked at Kendricks and said, he's going to fit into this scheme, you know, you're paid. These guys are paid millions of dollars or a lot of money to foresee this and to use their talent. And then the frustrating thing is the season progresses along and into December, we're still, we're still hearing that there's adjustments being made to the scheme. Okay. By, by December in this league, if there are adjustments to be made, they need to be made by the coaching staff to the players. So like, that's I guess that's where I'm curious defensively is if you cut bait with, with guys, uh, which fans don't like because you know they they know the players but if you cut bait with guys and then you bring in young guys who are again faster and then most importantly have a coordinator who says you know what ordinarily in my scheme i would do this but it doesn't make sense for this team and it doesn't make sense for this guy so i'm going to do that that's where yeah. the adjustment is not not you know this whole thing about daniel hunter in december saying daniel hunter is still getting used to, no daniel hunter is an unbelievable football player Ed Donatel, get your ass in your office, sit in no, front of the no, no, no. bleeping film. No, don't ever go back to your office, actually. <laughs> no, Just, no, at the your, time. Your card key's been deactivated. I'm sorry. I would have said, get get in your office and figure out how to make him comfortable. I don't want to ever hear you say again, he's adjusting. Right. That's not that. That's malpractice. That's poor coaching. Um, and, and O'Connell, I t- talked about this on on Purple Access with uh, with Chipper. Uh, O'Connell uh, did a little bit of trying to pull the wool o- over the eyes yesterday by by saying we actually were in three four just x amount of the percentage of time we played a lot of four or three. Okay, dude, that's BS. And here's why: it's not how you line up; it's the scheme that you're calling for. Like it it doesn't take a huge football fan to look at how the linebackers, the slow aging as I think you said Monday, or Dex said, plotting linebackers. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot to look at that and say, oh, oh boy, we either need to replace these guys or it doesn't work. So don't tell me, well, the scheme actually, you guys are so caught up on 3-4. No, I'm caught up on the fact everything you did for the most part rarely worked. Yeah, I, yes, and even like you mentioned scheme and here's my here's my scheme and we need the players to play my scheme with very little room for wiggle. Patrick Jones is a guy that I'm curious about. Yep. So Patrick Jones couldn't sniff a pressure basically all season. He had like 16 pressures, even though he rotated in a lot. He was kind of invisible when they'd put him out there. 
Well, he was a third round draft pick, a six foot five, two hundred sixty pound machine out of Pitt. That over his last two years at Pitt, lining up, and I, I don't know what defensive scheme Pitt ran, but he lined up on the outside all the time. He was essentially a hand in the dirt outside pass rusher, and he tallied his last two years at Pitt. He tallied a hundred pressures. 20 sacks, 67 quarterback hurries, 13 quarterback hits. And I'm not saying it's going to translate to him being Nick Bosa or something in the NFL. There's a reason why he fell to the third round and wasn't a first-round edge rusher. But you're telling me that he's just useless? Just you can't, you basically can't play him? He can't get pressures in the NFL? That's like, and maybe the answer is, oh, he's just not that good. He's not quick enough, or he doesn't he doesn't pick up the technique, or whatever. I don't. But I'm skeptical. I think there's. I think if you were to get rid of Zadarius Smith for contract purposes, you should be able to move ahead pretty confidently going into year three, knowing what Patrick Jones is by now. And you don't. So even stuff like that, what do they even have? You don't know because I feel like right. the scheme is kind of masking right. what some of these players could be. So or the incompetence of other players that are too old to be out there. I don't know. There's a lot to be unpacked here in the next few weeks. Imagine what those conversations, well, we're, if we're having these conversations. Here's another one I'll give, give you, and I was t- talking to someone about this yesterday, and it drove me crazy from day one. All right, so Lewis Seen shows up at training camp. And yes, you know what? He's probably not prepared to play and start immediately. But we're talking training camp. And unless he did something behind the scenes absolutely wrong, he's just buried on the second team. He's your first-round pick. Cam Bynum, who proved to be an okay player. He's probably very smart. But before he got hurt, Lewisine never even got a chance. And nobody said, you know what, okay, he's not prepared completely, but how can we use him? How can we work him in? Yeah. You know, what can we do to work? You know, if he's a sixth-round pick, cool, learn, practice squad, don't care. That's awesome. But he's a first-round pick, and, and you know, we know he could do a lot of things. And aggressiveness, that's the, uh, that's the other thing that, I, that drove me crazy. There were some very aggressive young players who were passed over for older passive players. Like, why wouldn't you? Why wasn't Brian Asamoa playing more on Sunday? Explain that times, to me. Dude, when we were breaking down some of these plays with, with Boone and Cyril's, and it's like this every week. The amount of times the Giants ran Saquon Barkley yep. on some sort of creative route out of the backfield, and Jordan Hicks or Eric Kendricks are just like ten yards behind trying yep. to catch up. There's a couple plays where Daniel Jones either designed or flushed out of the pocket. Daniel Jones is running. Oh, Jordan Jordan Hicks trying to run over there, and Daniel Jones is outrunning Jordan Hicks. Yes. You know? Just and even Kevin O'Connell in his press conference yesterday said so he was asked specifically about speed. How big of a factor is just the lack of speed on defense? Mm-hmm. And and he didn't like trash anyone, but he said, Yeah, it's the game is fast. The Vikings have slow linebackers, the Vikings have a slow aging cornerback in Patrick Peterson. Harrison Smith is not as fast as he used to be. They have a they have a slow, non mobile quarterback in a league where Daniel Jones is not the quarterback that Kirk Cousins is if it's just sit in the pocket and dissect. But you know what? Daniel Jones kept about three different drives alive or thriving because he could just run past Vikings linebackers. That's that's part of the game today. So it's a lot to unpack. I got, I got one more question 
Uh, so I'm, I'm seeing tweets, and this happens every time. So I think Ed's gone. But I'm seeing tweets, oh, guys, you know, Jim Schwartz is gone now. And, like, your list, Phil, is not starting to go. But there are guys being hired. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that Mike Pettin is the choice? I don't, I, mean, think he, it, I don't think he should be. Right. But I mean, but I think it's an easy move to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And he could run a 4-3. Um, cause I do think one of the most important things is if he's coming back to Neil Hunter needs to be as comfortable as possible from day one. Yep. You can't put him through this. Hey, you're still learning, doing a great job, Danny. No. I'm not convinced. I was texting you guys this. We can do an episode on this sometime soon, but I'm not convinced Neil Hunter's back. Yeah. It's, it's not interesting. Oh, and, and you know what? He might not want to be back. There's been a couple times the last couple of years where he's, not really wanted to be back unless the money was right. This this might be a two way street. So Interesting. You might be right. Uh, Dex, let's tell the audience mm-hmm. about our friends at Underdog and how they can have more fun. I mean, it's already fun watching football, Obviously. but it can be even more fun with Underdog. That's right, Underdog Fantasy. My uh, my guy Josh here sent a little five item parlay slip here. A little five item slip, two thousand bucks for Josh. A little uh, little nice little five item slip there. I don't recommend if you're taking wild bets to take any Matt Dumba over unders because he will be a healthy scratch against the Carolina Hurricanes. Judd Zolgad. that just came down uh, on Thursday morning. He will be a healthy scratch, but you can still get mixed sports entries. Uh, you can still get oh. NBA, NHL, wow. NFL, PGA. I saw Live Golf got a new TV deal with the CW, so good for them. There's plenty of different options at Underdog Fantasy, the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. My breaking news, by the way, to both of you right now on Matt Dumba and CW landing uh, Live Golf. I saw in, in the middle I, the, of this I heard the, the second d- was coming. I didn't know You're about You're breaking that the Dumba. Dumba news. I did see this. So the CW yeah, is the Live Golf TV partner, and it's going to be app only on Fridays on the oh. CW app. You can watch Phil Mickelson. Oh, it's not going to be on there. Dude, they can't, get a, they can't get a deal. They no, can't get a deal. They can't get one. Um, oh, that's hilarious. But yeah, join Underdog Fancy. Promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R. They'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. Go dr- download the Underdog Fantasy app. And there's your reckless... Oh, reckless speculation. Speculation Thursday here. Inject it. Inject it. I think across both Purple Daily primarily and Mackie and Judd, we just plan to be your home for daily Vikings speculation planning. If uh, if you thought the regular season was a good time, we actually love January through May equally or just as much because it's all about what could happen. And so do you. That's yes. the great thing. The viewers well, the, love the, it too. The numbers reflect that in some <laughs> of our. We love you that you love reckless. Our Netflix. biggest month in Score North history and like the three years of of Score North podcast YouTube was January of 2022. Jim Harbaugh, Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins rumors and stuff. Love coaching searches. <laughs> no coaching search no, this time, around. But we might, we might get some Donatel news at some point. We'll see you guys on Purple Daily as well today. Thanks for hanging out.